Hi everybody, you're listening to Radio Oedipus, the podcast all about the culture of beer. And I'm your host, Danny Walker. A very special hello and welcome to any new listeners. If you like what you are hearing, you can revisit some of our older episodes, like our homebrewing special, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and by searching Radio Oedipus on your podcast app. Or head over to our website, oedipus.com forward slash radio for more information. On to today's episode. Joining Sandra and I was the lovely Doughbongers, someone who is known for her brewing at Ursoup in Nijmegen and more recently at Fias in Aberdeen. Doe now has a new project, Basic Theory for Men's, and we discuss all about that as well as produce and sustainability. There's also the beer review, what's in the fridge and the quiz. So let's not waste any more time and get into it with Doe. So, welcome to another episode of Ready Oedipus. I'm happy to be joined by Sander Nadevane again, co-founder, head brewer of Oedipus. How are you doing today, mate? Yeah, good. good nice. Good, good. I've got us a fan today, so maybe we can uh, have a, a fan. Lot, yeah, a fan, yeah, yeah, I feel it. Yeah, 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 hopefully we can have the temperature a little bit cooler than last week. And it was also, hot. Yeah, it was. Yeah, last week was hot. Sweaty. Uh, we are also joined by Doe Bongers, who is a former brewer at Ursoup, a fierce uh, brewery in Aberdeen. You've recently returned to the Netherlands as well. You're back in Nijmegen, am I right? Yes, I am. And how are you doing today? I'm great. I'm sweaty. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's <laughs> see if we can keep that under control. Oh, I can. It's just my skin hasn't been sunny for like, I haven't had sun in three years. So I'm burning <laughs> up like a shrimp. Ah, yeah. Is that bad in Scotland? It's horrible. Yeah. yeah. Especially we, I lived at the sea in Aberdeen where it's really windy. Uh-huh. So we had four seasons a day. When you think it's really uh, nice, uh, you go uh, outside and then it's like, Hegel like in your face ah. in like two minutes so yeah the netherlands became a subtropical uh, paradise in the time you were gone yeah i heard that global warming right <laughs> yeah yeah amazing yeah. cool i think like, this time <laughs> last year they were saying that it was same temperature in amsterdam that it was in like tel aviv and i was like that's a bit scary <laughs> but next especially to with our sea. water levels you know <laughs> yeah, like yeah. we're not in a really good position but <laughs> yeah, it's crazy so back living in nijmegen uh where you were previously brewing with ursoup mm-hmm. uh how does it feel to be home it's actually really nice. I started um, my company actually just like a few hundred meters from Ursoup. Oh, so wow. I'm in the food lab where Naval started. Oh, um, okay. And I can actually look out on the cool ship room at uh, Ursoup. <laughs> and every morning I walk by, I have a coffee with Sander and with the Ursoup team. And it feels nice. like coming back in like a warm bath. Everybody's really happy to see me again. Yeah, and great. they've been super supportive. Okay, that's good. Nice to have a cozy kind of community around you. It again. is. It's really in the whole Honig factory, there's about 140 companies. Mm-hmm. So everybody really helps each other out. So when I need something, I just like walk for five minutes and I have it all settled. Mm. Was that one of the big factors in moving back? With the fact maybe you're a bit homesick, you're missing these people a little bit? Um, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's mostly because in Nijmegen I have a pretty... Uh, big like reach area. I know a lot of people in the Horeca. I worked yeah. at a lot of places and with my products being fairly new, yeah. I need to make sure that people who know me and trust me are the people I'm going to reach out the first to get this on the market. Yeah, of course. That makes total sense. Um, but you did seem to make a big impact in Scotland. I think you said Fierce by Nature was something that you kind of ran all yourself, right? And uh, I read 
Yeah, I read a really fun article. Uh, obviously, you won the Brewer of the Year as well. Mm-hmm. I, I have done a bit of homework on you. I hope you don't mind. And I also read a really fun article about how you cycled six miles for a job interview, uh, which I thought was quite funny, which is maybe not such a big deal here in the It's a really not a big deal. <laughs> they were so impressed. I was like, this is just a really nice road. But it is a lot of like more um, dangerous. In Nijmegen, we always cycle also into Germany and Amsterdam, it's normal. Like it's all my friends, nobody really has a car. You all have a bike, but there you go cycling and people drive next to you with like a hundred kilometers an hour. And if they really are a grumpy mood, they will like open the door. Like wow. it's mm. been um, the second time I went out on my racing bike, I actually cycled in the back of a car. And oh, wow. the week after I bought a uh, mountain bike. Oh yeah. 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 Too dangerous. It is Get really too dangerous. Yes. Yeah. Get into the woods. Oh wow. Good. Well, yeah, the landscape is pretty good for that there as oh, I guess as well with the highlands and everything. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's everything is like a Christmas card. That's the only, like, that's what I really miss over there. It's just the fresh air mm-hmm. and the ability to not see people. Yeah. 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 Okay. To escape a little bit. Exactly. All right. Cool. So, uh, like I explained a little bit off air, we always start the show with a little bit of a beer review. Today I brought uh, maybe a special uh, beer in that I brought Yeva's Fun. So it's special in the way that uh, it is zero zero. Um, yeah, the reason I've chosen it... Less it, than 0.5. Right? Less than 0.5. It's 0.3. 0.3, yeah. okay. So, yeah, I thought this has been something I've wanted to discuss on the show for a while and... Yeah, you, I think doing my homework on you and seeing a picture of you drinking it recently was like, okay, now's the time uh, to do it. So, all right, let's crack it open and let's uh, see what it tastes like. So I've go. got the only uh, bottle opener, so yeah. I'll pass it on. <laughs> yeah, we can pour it in a glass, but maybe from the bottle. Feels a bit nicer, right? right? You, can, uh, you can get the aroma still yeah? by uh, putting your nose on top of a beer bottle. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, yeah, classic uh, alcohol-free beer, I guess. And uh, I remember well coming into the beer coning already years ago. Of course, they had a alcohol-free section, and uh, I think this was all. I, I got to know it because of them, you know. Like, um, yeah, this was I think 2010, 2009, whatever, around those days, uh, and uh, looking for. All I don't know how the conversation came up of drinking alcohol-free beers, but somewhere it did, and uh, they they really recommended this as being one of their favorites. And I think, especially in the past, it was always really something different than beer, very malty, very sweet, cloying, lacking bitterness, lacking yeast profile, maybe some hops, but mostly just wart-like or very sticky and sweet and this was something else this Mm. definitely reminded me of a pilsner and definitely had a refreshing bitterness and Mm. uh uh, yeah a hop uh hop nose uh that's pleasant very bready and cereal taste i would say Mm. that's what i'm getting which uh would yeah compared to uh other alcohol-free pilsners that i've had is yeah, they lack in flavor. There's always kind of this conversation about how it tastes a bit watery. But this is really full-bodied, quite ser- yeah, like quite malty, let's say. Um, delicious. I, if I was blind tasting this and asked if it was uh, I am. alcoholic yeah. or not. I yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I, maybe the body does give it away or the more cereally or grainy 
I think it's a little bit like more grainy, but I've um, had a lot like I've been really trying to taste a lot of alcohol free beers for the last like six months. Yeah. And this beer is for me the only one like the hop aroma from the parallel is just like it blasts you away. And then not like the uh, sweetness because everybody or everybody, most of the brewers I know, they use uh, LA01 yeast from Saffil and they it only ferments uh, sucrose and. Um, glucose which gives you a really high final gravity mm -hmm. which is sometimes around like 10 20 specific gravity which is just about the same ending as uh like a heavy stout so when i have two alcohol free beers from other breweries like i just almost get like it's so sweet that uh, i cannot have more of these and with this yay for fun i uh, went to one of my favorite pubs and I was driving so I asked him to actually pour it out in a big steiner for me oh yeah and so I had like the, I had the <laughs> best placebo drunk I've ever been like it was really nice yeah yeah, yeah, yeah sure yeah it's really tasty I think I've spoken to quite a few people that have also said this is the one I had a conversation with uh, Kevin who works at the beer coning and he was saying that he drinks this more than he would do other sodas like coca-cola and things he's just he finds it that tasty. You can have it in the car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can have it on the way uh, to your mom, anywhere. Yeah, it's, sure. it's fine, yeah. Um, yeah, so this is not, I think, what makes it a bit more uh, quaffable and sessionable is mm -hmm. not being sweet. And definitely the bitterness is more pronounced in in, in the regular Jever also. I think it's a, a really good example of Northern German Pilsners and that mm -hmm. have a pronounced bitterness. and. Uh, it can be maybe not super accessible for uh, people that are not familiar with bitterness. Bitterness yeah. can be sharp. I think it's not the easiest taste for people to appreciate. Once you do, I think it, it can bring something really more than yeah, this sticky. And especially with low ABV beers, when they, be, they, they have some more sweetness than uh, their, their counterparts, which do contain alcohol, have. Uh, yeah, it can be in the way of of of, of sessionability of just drinking mm. and taking another one and another one mm. and uh, yeah yeah. So this is uh, really also something that I've uh, been appreciating. Mm. I must say I don't drink it that often. Where yeah, it's also maybe because we have some uh, <laughs> some also low ABV beer ourselves now that I tried mm. to stock in in the fridge, but. Uh, um, yeah, and, and yeah, I don't know, lately more and more uh, low ABV beers uh, end up in my fridge. Before, yeah, yeah, like exactly. Just like interesting fermented soft drinks, yeah. like really enjoying the uh, kombucha craze that's going around right now, especially here in, in Amsterdam. There's loads of good people doing really interesting kombuchas and the fact that you can have a really uh, tasty fermented drink now that's quite accessible and doesn't get you wasted or, and is I'm just enjoying this wave that's going around right now. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I must say that uh, th th there are definitely better examples of of this this category of drinks out there whether it's really an alcohol-free version of a beer, I think they're better than than 10 years ago for mm. sure. Uh, I think also Heineken 0.0. Yeah, I uh, I actually like it a lot, and I drink it, and oh, yeah? I'm really happy that it's so readily available. I haven't and had I that would, one yet. No, I, I would choose that uh, always over Coca-Cola or uh, oh, really? any other saucer. Yeah, definitely. But this is yeah a bit more uh, has a bit more character, I guess. Heineken has. I think also some fruitiness that their Pilsner can have, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, and it comes. Uh, 
pretty close to 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 the original beer, although it is of course something different because there's, mm. there's re- that it, that is labeled as zero point zero. And this definitely has more character, the more bitterness, hops. Uh, yeah, it's it's more of everything, and yeah. uh, I like it. Yeah. I do wonder one thing that comes to my head because obviously Pills is known as uh, kind of this drinkability, sessionability. I do wonder if you could stick to drinking one without the alcohol effect. Could you have five plus or do you think you just get sick of the taste? I think with this one, for me, after two or three, the carbonation really gets yeah. me because right now, um, normally when you're drinking beer, you're like getting a little like softer. You don't really notice, but not getting drunk and drinking like a beverage that has like 5.2 grams of CO2 per liter. Yeah. I'm trying not to burp the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, uh, I noticed it now. Yeah. And it's I'm, pretty high. Yeah. yeah. And when I drink Jever, it's mostly uh, on draft and probably that's lower and mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. uh, carbonation levels than this is. And they might even do it, boost it a bit because uh, because it, it brings some extra mouthfeel. Or, yeah, you know, like a refreshing gives, nature that maybe yeah, a cold yeah. pills never would. Yeah, and it can maybe add something and fill carbonic up a acid. gap. Carbonic <laughs> acid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> add carbonic acid and fill a gap that uh, that's uh, uh, left out by mm. not having a bunch of body and alcohol uh, in, mm. uh, in the drink. True, true. Well, I would... Uh, I would like to see if I could drink a few uh, and still kind of not feel that fear of missing out, you know, on a night. But I'm not sure if I could do that. But anyway, I can. I you can. can? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, mm. and also on uh, Heineken Zeros, and uh, yeah, and uh, still have fun. I remember also a concert uh, a couple months ago where uh, I'm not sure if I was driving actually, but I didn't just feel like drinking, and uh, mm. for whatever reason, and uh, yeah, yeah, I could do it. Yeah. Okay. Not even placebo drunk, I think. I uh, I uh, was consciously sober <laughs> mm. and having fun. I'm always trying to get placebo drunk if I don't drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a social thing anyway. It's a 0.3% yeah. that really gets you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's like creeping in that alcohol. Let's start uh, chatting to you, Doe, once again. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Um, yeah, you've, like I said, I did some homework and it seems like you've accomplished quite a lot in quite a quite a short amount of time, living in three different companies, brewing awards, and now setting up your own project, uh, making fermented food products. Uh, how did the idea of Basic Theory Ferments come about? Um, I think it's been like a progress of almost like three years, especially since I moved to Scotland. Like, what is it that I want to do? Yeah. Um, and I've been like mesmerized by the magic of fermentation for the last six years. And I've yeah. been doing that for nonstop. Um, and after all, being in Scotland, not having any friends or social life, that really works with having hobbies. Yeah. And I really started to uh, natural ferment vegetables and fruit at home into hot sauces and sauerkraut. And there's a lot of... Um, uh, there's a lot of uh, like power in these products that are not... I want that are still not been solved yet. And I really want to get them on everybody's plate for every day because the flavor, also the science behind it, there's so much more to discover. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just really, uh, I kind of feel like I'm beginning my brewing career again, like starting this whole new project and putting mm-hmm. all my energy and like enthusiasm in it. It's just, 
it's it's really it's ins it's insane to do so much on something that is totally new. Mm. I mean, I've been on the front lines of the brewing industry for six years, and now mm. saying okay, goodbye, guys. I'm gonna do something totally different now. It's just um, yeah, it's nerve wracking, but it's super super empowering as well. Yeah, why 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 the big switch? I, I mean, there is arguments that that it is maybe not such a big switch, but is it a move away from uh, the beer world? Would you say? No, on the other hand, there's a lot of stuff that I take with me for my brewing career. There's so much knowledge that I can use in my products that a lot of people who do and make fermented products don't know yet. Um, and I know how to uh, contain my cultures. I know what pitching rates are. I know how I, how I can temperature control my products and how I need to purge and package in the right way to keep my products as happy as possible. Yeah. And... I think like fermentation, like brewing something in the glass is amazing. And um, seeing people enjoy the beer that I make, it's like, it's something that makes you like smile before you go to sleep. But okay. getting something like making food and actually also fighting food waste, doing something that's better for the world. And it's also a new challenge. Okay. Uh, people in the Netherlands, like you eat, like we eat fermented sour um, herring, like fish. I think the Netherlands are ready for actually going into more the sauerkraut, the kimchi and the fermented hot sauce like mm -hmm. um, rage. And I'm taking two of these uh, things like fermentation is getting really big right now. And I really want to show people at home how you can do it. Yeah. Uh, so if you have leftovers, fruit and veggies, you don't have to go to waste. So um, I'll do workshops and online videos. And I'm just uh, yeah, really excited to get mm -hmm. this started. But you see it as maybe an extension of the work you've already been doing rather than leaving behind. Or was there any growing frustrations you had maybe with the beer industry or community? Well, it's not really frustrations. It's just the last like three years, especially, I really noticed that I was brewing a lot of beers that I didn't want to drink myself anymore, okay. like pastry stouts. And um, I'm like, I would if I would have a brewery, I would brew three Hellas and a Colt. Uh, probably, and some Saison and sour beer. Um, the whole craft beer uh, scene at this moment is really just putting, like, for my feel, how I see it, is putting stuff on untapped, people who really don't know how to taste beer, and everybody who makes beer takes it personal. Like, this is our passion, and this is what we love to do. And I see breweries brewing for online reviews instead of actually starting to brew what they what they love. And that's that was how it was in the UK. And also, um, yeah, I want to do a brew pub or start that or um, and focus it on food anyway. And something happened with a C word, a really yeah. global thing. Um, we try not to mention it. On we're the show. not going to mention it, no. Um, and I actually quit my um, fair spirit job end of January to get totally into this idea and start my own place. And uh, this happened, and it actually pushed me in a really good direction because there was a lot of stuff I wanted to do for temporary time before I start my own company. Yeah. And that was all not a possibility anymore. So yeah, I got my shit together and I started this. Well, credit to you because I think uh, tr planning a, a life change at that point, not knowing what was about to happen is uh, yeah, quite intimidating, I guess. But yeah, credit to you for... Uh, yeah, and with my brewing decision. network, it's so cool that I can still like do a collab with Udipus by making a hot sauce for their festival. And in the food industry, you really see that everybody really pioneers for themselves. And there's really big companies that kind of own everything. And I really want to... 
you know, help other small companies, food companies get bigger as well mm -hmm. to source locally, buy locally, and also just learn people how to make amazing products themselves. Mm. So it was almost like a, maybe uh, you wanted to explore more flavor. Like you said, there was growing frustrations with the beers that you were tasting and other people were making. You just wanted to taste more, let's say. Kind of, yeah. These are all these amazing new flavors that just come from fruit and only vegetables that even brewers are going to be super excited about. Like, I can't wait to get you my samples because it's just another different way of you of um, yeah using brewers' percentages and using ingredients. But my products still go through a primary fermentation, a secondary fermentation, and um, there's just so much that is comparable to brewing. Okay. How did you start, actually? Just... Really, with that brewer's perspective, or is that something that that uh, that you developed after starting? Did you first get uh, a book from Sander Katz or whatever fermentation uh, writer, or the Noma book, or uh, whatever? It's been mentioned on the show before. Yeah, yeah it's. Um, I already read those all when I was yeah. experimenting at home. Or just and YouTube. You know. Yeah, yeah, Bradley on. Yeah, exactly. And I was already doing that by the side while studying at the Institute of Brewing and Distilling. Mm -hmm. And I had two friends in Aberdeen from the Crafty Pickle Co. And they were two really cool people. And they were having a like a um, pickle company. They also did sauerkraut in freaking Aberdeen. Yeah. And Aberdeen is an oil town. It's really right winged. People are like. It's a cool town, by the way, but um, yeah, it's like if they could sell it there, I was like, wow, this is such a big market in the Netherlands. Like if you do this the right way and at the big, at a, at a good skill, mm -hmm. this is going to be really successful. And yeah, I worked sure. with them for like six weeks and it was just so much fun to mash different stuff. And it's a really hands-on project. And uh, it was just like, yeah, I just feel like beginning brewing, actually. Everything's still fun. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> What what is it that uh, basic theory ferments does? I hope I hope that doesn't sound like a bit of a, a stupid question. But. No, um, so we do like we have like two core um, feelings. Like we want to bring the wonderful flavor and health benefits of fermented food to as many people as possible, and teach them about it. And we want to reduce the waste um, of modern food sourcing. And so we're gonna. Um, most of our products are all made with local ingredients, mm -hmm. but we have, uh, we talked with a lot of big, um, yeah, leveranciers, suppliers, um, suppliers that, um, if they have any food waste that they can't sell anymore, mm -hmm. they can give it to us for free mm -hmm. or we can uh, buy it from them for a good price. So we actually help them with a better way, sustainable way for their food waste. Mm -hmm. And we help actually that food not going to the bin. Mm -hmm. So that are the two core um, thoughts behind it. But you're but you're making a product, let's say. So you're making uh, fermented, uh, let's say you're making kimchi, which I know you are. So mm -hmm. you're making that as a product to sell, uh, like in in shops or in like uh, in super in supermarkets or in restaurants. What is it that you're selling, let's say? Okay, so we're starting with four core products, which we have a national um, web shop from the first of August. Yeah. And we're also doing horeca. So uh, we're doing like kilo jars and five kilo jars on ask. Mm -hmm. So we're doing kimchi, uh, which is kimchi dough. Uh, we have purple powers, which is red kraut with uh, fermented mustard and shallots, Ooh, which is this bright purple. And it's really um, like, it's, it's slightly sweet, but it goes well on everything. So I just always put it on my sandwich or, or my breakfast or anything. Yeah. And we have curry kraut, which is like an Indonesian sauerkraut with like curcuma, um, cumin and uh, all kind of Indian spices. Nice. 
And then we have kind of a sexy sauerkraut because sauerkraut is such a, a lot of people think it's kind of a boring product. Yeah. But by using one th sixth of uh, cabbage, I'm using red cabbage, which makes it bright pink. So it's really attractive to look at. And yeah. then we ferment that with juniper and caraway seeds. So Sounds tasty. Yeah, it just um, smells really floral. And I also um, really think about lactobacillus pitches. Yeah. So this is where the brewing knowledge like comes in. Like yeah, I can yeah, really yeah. twist the fermentation temperature and pitching rates that I can have the flavors that I want for my products. You use single cultures? What I just do, like uh, right now we had all the first uh, fermentations from local organic um, cabbages and I'm working together with the uh, Radboud Universiteit, the University in Nijmegen, and they're actually isolating uh, the cultures to let me see what is in these cabbages. Uh -huh. And uh, so you have the main lactobacillus strains that are from fruits and vegetables is plantarum and brevis. Yeah. And uh, lactobacillus plantarum can be like nice and fruity and a little bit funky. So I like that so much more for the kimchi. Mm -hmm. And lactobacillus brevis is nice and apple-y, it's slightly like nice and tart. I like that for the sauerkraut. So we're actually, we call mm -hmm. it like black uh, backsloshing that we have new batches and we pitch <laughs> about 500 mils of the last batch. So you get a really nice and active culture which make sure that your um, yeah your product is consistent. Cool. It's Sounds really great. cool. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, really great. nice. Yeah, I think that's something really different from uh, from traditional fermentation, where yeah. it's mostly spontaneous and you just uh, you yeah. get your feet dirty and uh, 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 crush the sauerkraut with your feet, you know. And, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. That we couldn't do that anymore. No. And yeah. just sit and wait and see what happens. And uh, I think a more controlled way can allows you to design indeed for this in combination with these and these spices mm. i use strain abc and then xyz for exactly. something else yeah. and yeah. we really check it with ph as well so we measure ph from the pre-fermentation post-fermentation we divide our um uh fermentation uh we have the hep uh for two days at a higher temperature and then secondary fermentation will be for two weeks at a lower temperature. Right. And that is different with every batch. So yeah. it's just, if you see our brew sheet, it looks like just a beer brew sheet. Yeah, it sounds way more scientific than yeah. a culinary approach. It's really it? serious note taking. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What does like the, your average day look like now? And how does that compare to uh, being in a brewery? Long days in the kitchen, I guess. Well, it's like, it's amazing also if you work at a starting brewery that you can have your own music the whole day. That's kind of really hard if you grow uh, bigger. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I get there at like 7.30 or something. I'll have a coffee and I just check out what my day is going to be. So right now I'm still on my own. So I have all the meetings. Right now I'm doing all the labels. i uh, getting all my bottles in. And then I get my vegetables around 9, 9.30. And then I need to visually inspect everything, wash every vegetable, cut it into pieces. And then I bought this amazing, really big robo coop that you just like throw a cabbage in and you push it down and it like pulverizes it, pulverizes it perfectly <laughs> in the size that I want. And then I uh, salt my batches to about 2% salt. So when that's all done, I weigh all the vegetables. I calculate how much salt I use and the salt breaks down the cellulose which um, brings out the moisture. Yeah. And that moisture is my brine for fermentation. So I also bought um, yeah, beer fermenting tanks to ferment my um, sauerkraut in to make sure we have yeah. this stable uh, microbial um, vessel. And when the mash is done, I perch my tank to make sure there's not a lot of oxidation. I um, put the kraut in, I push it down with um, the cabbage leaves and I made some stainless steel weights so to make sure the product doesn't come above uh, the liquid and then the party begins. Mm. 
would you would you say that this kind of avenue is just like a a further exploration into fermentation? Hmm. Um, there's a lot to show here in this corner of fermentation, which isn't brought to light yet. And mm. I really want to do that, like show people the health benefits, show that with just one spoon of this product, which if you buy it, you also help against food waste. And you can make any, um, any meal, you can make incredibly more depth with just a spoon of fermented food. And because we have so much like, we have four varieties you can uh, choose out, or we have two hot sauces, you can make any meal amazing and mm. interesting. And it's a really good thing to share with your friends. Mm -hmm. and, um, and what's the kind of uh, end goal? You mentioned like a, a, a tap room or something, right? Where you want to do food. Is that kind of the end goal? Grow and have like a cafe going on? Well, my end goal would be um, in, a f like in a year and a half, I need to leave from my location right now. And I would like to start a bigger uh, production facility where we have different areas where you also make miso and tempeh. And I'd love to make soda. So I uh, right now I'm uh, doing all these different tepache recipes. I'm doing ginger beer and we're doing kombucha. And tepache, I had that for the first time of the other day. Fermented pineapple skins, right? That's amazing. It's, it's one of my... It yeah, tepache. From Simon? Yeah. Yeah, it's good Yeah, stuff. it's good. That's one of my favorite sodas. So I'm really going into depth with that right now as a research. And in a year and a half, I really want to get a canning line and just make soda as well. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I trademarked the basic theory for beer, natural wine, for soda. So I can actually go... I can do anything that I want if it's just fermented. Okay, wow. So it really is an extension of what you're already doing rather than a switch. Uh, yeah, this is something that is a really cool corner to explore because not a lot of people do it on such a big scale. Yeah. And uh, it's just, yeah, it's amazing to start here and see what we can do. And will there be a mesh done? There, definitely. We're designing actually our own uh, brew house for just cabbage. All right. So we have to get connections. So that's really nice. We can do like thousand kilos of it. <laughs> nice. But that, that, that same mesh down can be used for grain as well. We'll have a different kind of rigs because just in a mash, when it's dry, everything will just move around. We need it to be mixed in really well with spices and herbs. So uh, we'll do three different rigs. Right. I'll show you the drawings. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, but Rigs, huh? Yeah. Fancy? Fancy? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're looking at some really cool options. We just need to find the perfect place where we can put our production facility in a year and a half. So if every, anybody knows the perfect place, just get in contact. But yeah, we touched on it a little bit, but Fermented Foods is currently enjoying this big upswing. You mm -hmm. know, we've we've seen it on this podcast of uh, uh, Abel, who we had on, who's now making Fermented yeah, Foods. Yeah, that's so snacks. great. I talked to him about it. Yeah, it's yeah. exciting. Yeah. And this wave of popularity with maybe to do with the Gnome book, who again has come up quite a lot. Um, and, but you specifically talk about the health benefits of that. So is that something that we should be more aware of? Well, um, I think so. The thing is with the health benefits is it could be kind of a, like a fake rage because it really depends on who you are yourself. Like yeah. these healthy foods, they have really good probiotics that actually... Um, uh, so by consuming fermented foods, you're adding beneficial uh, bacteria and enzymes to your overall like intestines flora. But if you're a person who drinks like two liters of Coca-Cola a day, that doesn't really work. So or beer. Or beer, yeah. <laughs> so it cancels each other out if you were to... Uh... Well, your intestines are like this. That's where you get your energy from. Uh, that's where you actually, it has a big influence on your mind. So if you take good well of your gut, that's why they say you have a gut feeling. That's the most ah. important thing kind of in your body. So... I didn't um, know that. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, cool. 
Yeah, so uh, also for thousands of years, like uh, ancient civilizations from all over the world considered fermented food to be really good. Like the Bulgarians yeah. used that, um, the Romans used it like kefir and yogurt. So it's been on there for centuries and that's mm. for a reason. Not just preservation, do you think there was health benefits that they were yeah. doing? Yeah, definitely. So there's all the, um, by fermentation, uh, you also break down the cellulose that normally you boil your vegetables. So mm -hmm. your intestines can't uh, fertile, uh, they can uh, digest. digest it. And by fermentation, you can digest it, but all the vitamins that are in the vegetables are actually still in there. Yeah. When you boil, you boil a lot of them, like they're, they're gone or dead and... Yeah. Through fermentation, all those healthy microbes and vitamins stay in your food. Are there different kind of, uh, excuse me for asking a stupid question, but are there different kind of health uh, benefits to different vegetables, like with, with the fermentation process? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like you see in uh, cabbage, you have tons of vitamin C and A. Yeah. And if you ferment like darker vegetables, like broccoli, it normally has a lot of magnesium in there. Okay. So it really depends like what you're fermenting. And also the uh, the molecule structures of vegetables are different. So some can become slimy, but you can help that with pH regulations. And uh, it's just a good mix. You just need to make sure it looks pretty. Mm. <laughs> and uh, with fermentation, you're obviously discovering... New flavors, that's what we like, like to ferment, and you'll have an opinion on this, I'm sure, Sander. What new flavors are you trying to kind of discover with fermenting vegetables? Oh, that is endless. endless. So um, if you kind see with worms, the sauerkraut, yeah. like it smells like a really nice floral tartness like you get from the juniper and caraway seed, but then when you eat it, it's like crunchy. So you need to make sure it also has, this is no a new aspect with brewing, it's like, the way you chew on it and the textures of different kinds of fruits. So how you cut it is important. You don't want everything to feel the same. Uh, you want it to be good with other foods to pair it because, I mean, I would do it. I would eat like 300 grams of sauerkraut with a spoon, but I know a lot of people need a little bit more like getting Balance, used to it before right. they can do that. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely the beginning, the smell, the color, the experience and how you add it to different uh, like with cheeses, it cuts down the fats really well with the tartness. And it's finding a good balance of different uh, sourness, like you have acetic sour, malic acid, you have lactic acid. Mm -hmm. And getting those proportions right is pretty tricky. Yeah, is there, do you have an idea about a certain, certain direction? I hear you mentioning a lot of spices or mm -hmm. um, yeah, different types of uh, vegetables or maybe fruit. Uh, is there like, okay, I want to really put this sour flavor on the map or focus more on uh, hearty umami type of flavors or I think that's also often something you get from fermentation that brings more complexity and often also somewhat depth uh, yeah. to but, but is there is there a certain direction like specifically these more type of spices in this or that direction or is it just very open uh, with every product, we have a really clear guidance. Um, just like with our kimchi, to get that umami flavor, we use nori, the seaweed, just mm. because all our products are vegan. We do want to make sure that everybody can eat them. And nori gives you the same umami flavor. And during fermentation, that gives you that real Korean funky uh, sourness. That's something you, you find hard when in vegan cooking to replace that fish sauce kind of yeah. umaminess. Nori is the secret. Nori's yeah, nice. definitely. Okay. So that's really nice. And... Um, it's um, just going over the little edge. I want people to be challenged by the food as well. 
and be intrigued by it. Like I want them to taste it and then take it with them and be like, holy shit, have you tasted this? Mm. Um, and with our hot sauces, we're really uh, using barrel aging as a spectrum as well. So we're using, we're starting with two sauces, which is Tropic Thunder and Sweet Carolina. And Tropic Thunder is a fermented carrot base. So it's kind of a Mexican kind of um, influence with uh, bay leaves, garlic and onion. And we mm. ferment that. And then we blend it with um, mango and um, pineapple. Mm -hmm. And that's the only uh, product we actually par um, pasteurize, so we get the right thickness. But with also hot sauce right now, I really see that it's getting really big just because it's as hot as possible. But I want to make it like a nice table sauce. Like our hot sauce is going to be the table beer that you want on your table during dinner every time. So it needs to be um, the first step that people take in fermented food and then they can geek from there. You know, I want to get them intrigued by the magic of fermentation and the flavors that go out of there. So it's not going to be really high, heavy, sour to step into, but it's going to be good with like every meal. Yeah. And like in every six months or so, when uh, we want to add products to our line. So in the end, they want to do all these different weird fermented stuff. And I also am going to do um, seasonal batches or collaborations with other people where we can go a little bit more on the hardcore funk side for the fermenting geeks, but our core range is going to be good, gentle for everyone to enjoy. Mm -hmm. Super good. Yeah, sounds really good. One more question. You mentioned uh, hot sauce uh, is the only thing you actually pack pasteurize. It, the, is, is, is sauerkraut on pasteurize? I don't know. Huh? Is it stable enough? I've done some stuff at home, and especially I have this hot sauce also that... <laughs> has THP all over the place. And I've put it away in a cabinet <laughs> yeah. and I hope uh, there's something in there that can break it down. But do you run into flavor instability or product instability or is there a chance with sauerkraut or is it actually fairly stable? Well, this is where also temperature control gets in. Just when uh, you make a beer with a lager, you know what kind of fermentation um, steps you need to take to make sure the sulfur gets a good blow off. Yeah. It's exactly the same with sauerkraut. That's why we... Um, pitch at 25 degrees and we leave our ferment for the first 48 hours at 26 degrees. So that sour down in the first 48 hours is really important mm. to go from four and a half to about 3.2, which normally when you're done with your broth, it's about five pH. So we bring that down with some lemon juice mm. um, and that gives you much more cleaner uh, fermentation. Uh, right. We also, after sending it to the lab, now we know what's exactly going to be in there. So it's easier to steer. And then we just have a second fermentation until that's ready. Uh, the pH um, is stable at around 3.2. And then we can package it. And then we put it in the fridge between 5 and 8 degrees. Right. And yeah. then you have to keep it cold and then it's stable. Exactly. Ah, okay. Yeah. Well, it's like it or, will get more tart, yeah, but sure. it won't blow off CO2 anymore. Right. right, yeah. right, right. All right. So we're just going to take a short pause from our talk with Doe to find out what's in Alex's fridge. Alex Blees is a brewer currently based in Edinburgh. However, she's just become the head brewer of Tapestry Brewery in Bristol, but lockdown in the UK has put that on hold. Anyway, let's give her a call and find out what she's got in her fridge. Hi, Alex. Danny from Oedipus. Hello, you're right. I'm very good. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Good, good. How is, uh, where are you located? 
Uh, well, <laughs> it's a long story. <laughs> At the moment, I'm in Edinburgh. <laughs> All right, uh, okay. Although I was before lockdown, I, I just relocated back to my home home city of Bristol to uh, take up a job uh, for a brewery down there. So right, okay. yeah, it's been complicated. All right, okay, Alex. Well, what's in your fridge? Uh, well, I have a variety of beers in my fridge at the moment, um, and quite a lot, taking up a lot of shelf space in a corridor. Um, so I've kind of gone through and picked some interesting ones and ones that I've been drinking a lot more of, uh, and some new stuff that I've discovered since being at home and ordering everything online. Okay. Uh, so the most recent one that I've bought was the New Barns Brewery in Edinburgh, which is a brand new brewery. It's just opened up. Oh, cool. um, and they have uh, a three beers, I think, have come out um, that they've contract brewed, but they are about to start getting underway with their actual brew kit, I think, which is really exciting. Nice. Uh, the w- two that I've had is the Oat Lager and the Nelson Sorvin Pale Ale, um, Ooh, which have both been really delicious. Uh, and then I've gone a little bit Nelson Sorvin heavy. I currently have a five litre keg of uh, tapestry beer, which has just been delivered to me. Oh, nice. Uh, which is uh, Nelson Sorvin, Wakatu, and Rakao hops, all of the New Zealand hops. Oh, nice. Um, which I kind of remotely assisted with uh, the brewing of. Uh, cool. Yeah, so that's exciting to be able to taste it, even though it's been brewed it's quite interesting a couple of that, miles away in Bristol. Yeah, it's quite interesting that you've talked about Nelson Sorvin uh, hops, because I'm not, I'm not sure how much you're aware of the show, but we were chatting about uh, Nelson Sorvin hops quite in depth on the last show with the home brewers and they were saying how they've not seen many breweries brewing with Nelson Sovereign uh, hops recently especially in the Netherlands but I just think it's, it's quite... because I've been hoarding all of it ah okay that's it that's it okay nice <laughs> yeah yeah it's all been hoarded in my fridge I'm afraid but don't <laughs> worry right. I'll uh, I'm sure it'll become more prevalent uh the more the more uh People brew with it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's one of my favorite hops. It's so unique. And like that white wine flavor, I don't think you can really get from from many other ingredients. No, it's definitely delicious. I look out for those beers uh, when you start making them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, most of the time I actually drink sours because I'm that weird person. No. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm a big fan, big fan of the sours. Uh, we're, and uh, the Netherlands so, yeah. are very, very on point with the sour beers as well. So you, you wouldn't be a weirdo here. <laughs> well, absolutely. They are my favourite, although they give my partner very bad heartburn. So he can stick to the IPAs and I'll, uh, I'll stick to all the sours. So yeah, I've he got, can uh, keep your peach. hands off. He can keep his hands off your beers then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it means that there's a very good divide, especially for mixed case cans. I know which ones are mine and which ones are his. Oh, you're very um, smart. <laughs> absolutely. Um, I have uh, a peach and nectarine sour by Vault City Brewing, which are also Scotland-based. They were in Edinburgh, and they've just recently moved to Dundee and up, massively up their production. Cool. Um, they do some of my absolute hands-down favorite sours. Uh, yeah, full of fruit, like super acidic, uh, really fresh tasting. Uh, the peach and nectarine sour is really good, and I think the raspberry skies is probably one of my favourite. They also do some really, really good like uh, sour IPAs, mm-hmm. um, and they've got some new releases coming out soon, and some new stouts as well, which are actually really interesting, like a coconut milk one, which is Ooh, awesome. very, very thick. You have to shake the bottle before you pour it into a glass. Right. Okay, that sounds interesting. 
I've never. Uh, yeah. I don't think I've seen anything with coconut milk uh, in a stout before. So that's really uh, quite curious. Yeah, it's uh, it's very thick. I would <laughs> say it's kind of more like chewing a milkshake, but it's seriously delicious. Okay, okay. I'll have to take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> um what else have i got oh another brewery the brewery that i've discovered during lockdown is pastore which uh i don't know where they're based they're uk water beach in the uk um i ordered a mixed case from them so i still have a wild saison left but um i have drunk all the other ones which were like kind of fruity uh vice series the passion fruit with the mango one were really good cool. um so yeah i've only got one of those left so i've been kind of saving it to have have a special occasion i guess and then along with all my other special occasion beers that gather dust on my shelf yeah now you're gonna have to send me uh the names of these breweries because i think you've already named three breweries that sound really unique uh and i've not heard of them um but where where do you kind of get your beers from is this do you have like a good network where people send you these beers or do you have a particular bottle shop that you maybe look look out for um so a lot of this like so a lot of the stuff I'll, I'll buy online so i think the new barns and the vault city i ordered online uh i also know the guys that that own those breweries so that's always really helpful, helpful to yeah. be able to see when new releases come out uh some of the other ones i tend to just just order in online shops at the moment but otherwise there's some really good bottle shops in edinburgh um edinburgh has a really really good craft beer scene so oh, yeah. um the salt horse salt horse bottle shop is literally down the road from where i am uh so i do frequent there quite a lot just to have a look at what they've got <laughs> nice yeah yeah that is handy um and then yeah order stuff online uh, my boyfriend bought me a bunch of beers for my birthday uh which was uh, last month uh so so that's good i think probably the fanciest beer I have in my collection at the moment is the Testnut Omnipolo Triple Fruited Imperial Goes with Orange and Vanilla, which I haven't yet broken into. Yeah, but it's a tiny sounds... bright orange can, which I'm very excited about. That sounds really, really good. Now, all these beers you mentioned before, like they sound like uh, they'll be on heavy rotation. You're either trying them or the ones that you just like drinking all the time, like the sours. Is there any others yeah. that you usually save for a good occasion? Uh, I, so I used to brew for a brewery called Wild Beer in Somerset. Oh, yeah. Um, that's where I start, started my, my brewing career, I guess. Um, so I have quite a lot of, uh, their big bottles, the big waxed 750 mil bottles, like hoarded away. Yeah. that I've been kind of moving house to house with, um, at the moment I've got, uh, an Isle of Avalon that I, I'm definitely going to break out next time it's sunny in Scotland, which is not very often. So I think that counts as a special occasion. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> So that one's a, like a Oregon wine barrel apple uh, sour, which is in collaboration with Ale Song Brewery and Wild Beer. And it's so sour, mouth-puckeringly sour. Wow. Um, the other one that I've been driving, dragging around is the J- a Jester King that we got. I think there was like one of them in the bottle shop we went to, which is Black Metal. Yeah. Uh, the Farmhouse Imperial Stout, which is also waiting for a special occasion. Um, now, uh, we've talked a lot about beer, and one question I always like to ask is, have you got anything other than beer in your fridge, drink-wise? Have I got any beer? I Well, I did have this weird pistachio, uh, like, basil seed uh, drink that I bought experimentally from uh, a little Indian shop down the road from us, um, which was really delicious. Wow. Uh, but looking in the fridge, I think the only other thing I have is 
Oatly, which, ah. <laughs> although it's great, uh, isn't quite that exciting. No, no, no. It's not. It maybe not worth mentioning, but it's good to it's good to feel, <laughs> feel the real realness of you looking in your fridge. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there's there's not a plus. There's not a lot of room now. I've fitted a five liter keg in there, so oh yeah, a lot sure. of the stuff has been relegated back to the shelf again. I totally understand. I totally understand. No, the only reason I ask is that a lot of the time uh, I find that uh, people that are into the fermented drinks, beer and stuff, are also into, uh, I don't know, a bit of kombucha as well, or maybe a natural wine and things like that. Would you say that you're predominantly a beer drinker, or do you ever get a bottle Uh, of I would say predominantly a beer drinker. If I'm going to buy wine, it'll be a very cheap one from a supermarket. I'm not really a a wine nerd or connoisseur, although I do live with someone who sells wine, so I do get Ah. to try some nice wines every now and again, but I am definitely no expert. Um, Other than that, I mean, I'm from Somerset, so cider is like very close to my heart. (laughs) Mm, I totally understand that. I mean, like, I guess you already get your kicks from some of those sour beers with Nelson Chauvin hops, so you don't really need to dive too far into that. Yeah, I feel like sour beers have that kind of crossover between like the cider drinker and the beer drinker, and it maybe like slightly less green tasting on the palate for uh, for people who don't really like that kind of earthy green flavour from hops. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, well, um, what what beer do you think you're going to drink? Uh, I don't know what day is it. Thursday. It's well, it's almost the weekend. What beer do you think you're going to drink next? Uh, what's on my list to drink next? Probably break open the peach and nectarine sour. No. Um, yeah, I think that's, well, if the weather perks up a bit, we'll definitely share a bottle of the Isle of Avalon between me and my housemates. All right. Um, but yeah, it doesn't look like it's going to be that sunny this weekend, mainly rain in Scotland. Well, yeah, I think you definitely owed a drink then to try and, uh, perk your, perk your spirits up if the weather's going to be bad. It's meant to be July. This is crazy. (laughs) <laughs> i'm sure everyone else is getting really good weather it's just scotland that's uh that's got the short end of the stick well not amsterdam and not, not 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 got clear blue skies just yet but yeah anyway i'll still uh still have a drink fingers crossed fingers crossed all right alex well please uh please message me all those breweries i'm very uh curious to check them out yeah yeah absolutely no problem i will uh message you the names of the breweries now that would be great all right enjoy the rest of your day thanks for chatting cheers man thank you so much no worries cheers bye-bye and a special thanks to alex hopefully she can start brewing some beer soon if like me you're curious about some of those beers alex was talking about you can check out the links in the show notes and find some of the breweries there if you want to talk about what's in your fridge, get in contact with me, radio at buddypuss.com. Anyway, let's get back into the conversation with Doe and Sander. We have a, a beer by Doe on the table. Yeah, I actually nature. didn't taste this one yet, so I'm pretty... Uh... So I noticed that we're all empty on the Yeva, so let's crack it open. Maybe... Ah, this one needs a glass, huh? Yeah. yeah. Doe, you... You crack it open and talk us through it, all right? So this is uh, my Fierce by Nature Sour Beer program from Fierce Beer. And they gave it to me because as a head brewer, I came to them and I was like, I want to make sour beer and I want to make beer on barrel age that I want to drink at home. And then uh, they said, okay, though, you know what? We're going to give you a unit to play with and a lot of fruit to play with. So that was actually what I did in my spare time. 
Hmm. Unit is a warehouse. A warehouse, yeah. yeah. But so it this... seems like they gave you, within the parameters of what you just said, they gave you a lot of freedom to have some fun with this. Yeah, it's because I won a lot of beer awards. They were like, okay. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so like, we're just going to make sure that uh, she's happy. And uh, <laughs> this kept me happy for a really long time. Oh, nice. Okay. So this is the black. So this is the raw blackcurrant sour. And... Um, all these I make uh, golden sour base beer and I ferment it with Tefil 04 so you have quite some residual sugar for the bretonomites to eat so it's all clean primary fermentation and then I barreled it on red wine barrels from Spain and they were like almost they were empty for like a week and a half so I got a really great aroma from that mm. and mm. then I barrel aged it and pitched uh, bretonomites clausini and lactobacillus brevis and then it had a, a secondary fermentation for about six months and then after that, I emptied it in IBCs and I kind of dry fruited it or yeah, post fruited it with, uh, I think, 420 ki- That's like 30% of uh, black currants. So this is the first time I'm tasting it. So Wow. Really uh, woody, earthy. Yeah. Uh, yeah the barrel's definitely in there. Yeah. It's really, uh, really gentle. Yeah. Very. Uh, Pleasant barrel character, almost um, like candy-like. Huh? Yeah, also like roses. Care, yeah, so I yeah. get like um, almost hibiscus, rosy, yeah, like floral. Also that, but also a bit of caramelly. Uh, yeah, it's. Um, I think my malt base is Pilsner malt, um, oats, sweet, and five percent of spelt malt, just to get that extra like little nuttiness in the end. Mm-hmm. Ah, cool. How long uh, has Fierce by Nature been going? Is, is it still going? It's still going for like, I think right now it's um, going for a year and a half. Uh, since I left, I know they've been bringing out all the beers I've done and people have been really happy about it. Uh, I still get a lot of questions from it, which is amazing. I just, I don't know if they're... From the brewers there? Yeah, from the oh, brewers, yeah, uh, uh, for like other uh, podcasts and stuff. So people are really excited about it. So that's yeah. good. Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> How many beers did you release? Uh, in total, it was 12. Okay. Yeah. Cool. But most of it didn't make the border. But that was uh, good, yeah. Uh, they were all like 1,200, 1,600 liters. So. And it's done now, Fierce by Nature, or are they carrying I have no clue. it on? Okay. I have no clue. No, uh, I, um, the last two months, I haven't talked to them yet, but... Yeah. They'll struggle a little bit of marzipan. Do you get that on the nose yeah, as well? Yeah, maybe that's what I mean. Also. Yeah, yeah the almonds, marzipan. Yeah, there's some... It's not the sweet beer, but uh, if you would s- yeah. only smell it, it could be, it's very dessert-like. <laughs> very dessert-like. Yeah. Creamy also. Uh, raisiny. And the flower, uh, yeah. hibiscus indeed. Funny. No, I'm happy with that. Yeah. You had my bread IPA as well, right? Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it was good. It was uh, two weeks ago, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You didn't have that yourself either. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was really good. Yeah. Um, hoppy, some, yeah. fruity, for sure. Uh, not super sour, but uh, I think uh, bread, fruity notes. Um, good and balanced. Um, yeah, and, 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 and worked really well together with, with the hops. Yeah, and you see as well, it was Amarillo and Azaka. And yeah. I love that combination. Azaka is like my favorite hop of the past, like 12 months, I think. And after barreling, the pH was like 3.3. But after a big dry hop, you see a little raise in your final pH. So it was like 3.8. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, yeah, not yeah. super sour. No, no, no. yeah. 
Yeah, we enjoyed it. It was yeah. good. I'm happy you enjoyed it. So uh, back to uh, what you're working on now, Basic mm-hmm. Theory Ferments. Um, like, yeah, you're, uh, on your website, it says, by using surplus vegetables, we reduce food waste. I encourage you to ferment your surplus veggies at home. What Can you tell me a little bit more about like the ingredients that you, that you use? I know you mentioned there is a relationship with some suppliers. Yeah, so uh, there's a lot of local farmers we'll be talking about, and yeah. there's also a supplier that just calls me up on Monday, hey, Doe, we have 40 kg of uh, carrots this week, and we have uh, 24 uh, cabbages. And I can say, okay, cool, yes or no, because also my tanks are full at some point. But Mm. uh, that's also a good thing about being in the Honig, in this community. I always do a Facebook post like, hey, you guys, I have 25 kg of shallots. Mm. And people can just go and pick them up. So um, it's a lot of sourcing as well. Uh, With this, uh, I'm doing a crowdfunding, which I want to buy a basic theory bus that drives on green grass. Oh, yeah. Green gas, not grass, <laughs> uh, which I can actually do my orders through the Netherlands without much uh, CO2. Uh, um, without a lot of CO2 thing going out of English, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and with that, I have a much better ability for people, they say, if they have surf plus fruits and vegetables, I can buy it for them, which is good for me because it's a good break for me, but I also help them with a sustainable way of getting rid of their food waste. Like in the total food industry, fruits and vegetables are about 42% of the waste that's going, just being thrown away, which is such, like it's such a big impact on our nature. And we were already talking about global warming. It's so much energy, water and ground that just goes to waste by stuff that we just throw away. Is it really is that high? It's 42%. From the suppliers? It's 644 million uh, ton of uh, fruit and vegetable waste in the world. Oh, yeah. And who, yeah. who do you think is responsible? Who's to, who's to point the finger? Is it the supermarkets? Is it, I don't know, who do you think is responsible? <sighs> uh, I think... Everybody's kind of. This is a really hard question. No, but I know. Uh, but I, I, I've um, had this conversation before because I don't think it's me, you. It's definitely, it's all the first, first world countries are people with money, capitalism. That's yeah. <laughs> that's probably who it is. But there's so much overproduction of, especially like the Netherlands as well. We make four and a half times the food that Netherlands can consume anyway, yeah. which has been being sent out um, to whole of Europe, which actually started after the Second World War. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, we make too much yeah. and we don't have to like, especially with meat industry and fish industry, you really see how hot it's getting here since the last three years. Mm. It's definitely a source we should all think of. And um, also at home, I, I, I am also guilty of buying like too much vegetables and then I'm like, damn it, now I need to make this. Mm. But by fermenting it, you can actually like make a ferment and in two weeks, if you have a cool birthday, like give it to someone, you know, it's a really cool little thing you can make, which is easy to do at home and has a really special like feeling to it. Mm. But is the best way to help uh, a personal thing or do you think big, bigger institutions should step in? It's both. Like yeah. the, the biggest change starts with, with yourself, yeah. definitely. So I just really make sure that also at Basic Theory we try to um, have a, a zero waste company. Yeah. So we don't use any like baking paper. So we have like these... Um, uh, c- uh, cotton webs that we can use to uh, smoke and um, 
uh, roast vegetables for the hot sauce. Uh, we don't throw, we don't um, almost use no plastic and everything. So we're a really comp uh, conscious company. We want to be as sustainable as possible and we want to give that message out as well. Mm. Okay. And yeah, how how are you help how are you helping it a little bit? I know you said baking things, but uh, baking paper and things. Um, well, um, we are using recycled materials, so car yeah. uh, boxes. Uh, we're using recycled glass. Also, if you bring our product like a glass back, you get a discount on your next product. Um, we're doing um, workshops once in the end of the month where we learn how to how you can do this at home, so you have to don't do it yourself. Mm. And we help at local farmers with their surplus if they think, like, local farmers, they uh, say, okay, we think we're going to sell this amount of food. And then the food that they really can't sell, that normally goes to um, food for dogs or cats or, uh, or cows. Mm. And then from that portion that they have left, they can still not sell 20%. And that's the 20% that they actually need to throw away because it's been there for too long. But it's still good to eat, but it could be like one or like you won't find it in the store anymore. And they're like, okay, this is great to eat. The flavor's good. It just doesn't look good anymore. And that's where we step in. Cool. And what does um, like locality mean to you? So using, using uh, freshly grown produce, how does that come into the equation of using locally grown produce when making your products? It's... um. It's for me, it's really important to have good contact with the people I work with to yeah. uh, build a really good bond with them as well. Yeah. And they can help me out whenever I'm in need, but I also will help them out whenever they are in need, whenever they need a van or if they need extra hands on the, on the land or anything, they can always call and we have amazing volunteers. So we like to do stuff ourselves as well. We don't want to sit and um, we want to do the hard work ourselves. Mm. And that for me is really important to do everything as local as possible to help the local farmers because they're also having a really hard time because of the big yeah, C word. Sure. Yeah. But in terms of flavor and taste, like using a local in, in ingredient, do you find that's uh, better for what you're making? Well, you'll definitely see it in, um, in fermentation uh, activity. So if I order cabbage that is washed thoroughly with a really like parasitic acid, you can see that it sours down all as quick or you don't have as much residual yeast. Um, if you use local produce, you'll maybe can use in the end, you need to use less because, you know, maybe a worm got in or anything and you need to take some leaves out, but the fermentation goes through the roof. So mm. there's definitely more local yeast and active uh, microbes on there. Yeah, we had uh, Matthias from Naval on the show and he was okay. saying how much he has to basically play with in terms of what's available in Nijmegen. So I was wondering if uh, you, you were using any particular ingredients from your local area that were helping you out. Well, that's the cool thing. Like I just, we're still, we're opening the 1st of August. So I so just made all my like first batches and I'm laying all the context like right now. So this is also cool. I'm meeting, I'm meeting like all these people who have gardens for a living. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's really nice. <laughs> cool. And then Navel are like my buddies as well. They're my neighbors too. So when they have something left, they'll help me. And uh, yeah. it's cool to have them around as well. And Ursup as well. It's um, it's a really cool little like bundle up crew. Yeah, it seems like a nice community you got going on there in Nijmegen. Um, so yeah, any, what's your kind of long-term goals with uh, Basic Theory? Yeah, so I want to actually have a big production facility um, 
where we have where you can have a tour where you can say this is where we make miso, this is where we do tepache, this is where we do sodas. Mm -hmm. And I also want to do the videos online, just like the Brett Leon videos, but a little bit more scientific. Oh, so like workshoppy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool, I'm definitely yeah. doing workshops like Corona proof workshops from the end of um, August every month, the nice. last Saturday from two to four, and you can buy the tickets through my website. Um, where you can also like, we'll do two basic theory recipes, but I'll make sure there's fruit and vegetables and herbs. So you can totally make your own twist. Nice. And you'll take like the, we have really good balls jars with the fermentation lid. So you have your own vessels that you can take home afterwards. And, um, and uh, yeah, we'll also do online videos. So I have my stepsister actually helped me to start a YouTube channel where, where we can show you how to do it at home. Nice. Yeah. But then more for the geeky part. That's kind of what I like to do. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, and you talked about um, having, I think, a bit more control over the products you're using by working with farmers you know. Mm -hmm. Is there any ambition for growing your own? Well, when I get retired, question. <laughs> like if I'm I ever retire, farm. I just want to get a farm and goats. But it's um, uh, only at retirement. You don't I see would, this as part of this project? I could see like I could see myself contracting out from local farmers and helping them with harvest, but also production on this is a lot of hands-on work. Mm. So I would love to be with my hands in the dirt all day. Like I would love that. But right now I don't have the time since I'm still a one-person team. Sure. Right now not, but I'm thinking about... We're, um, we're talking about uh, future plans and uh, a bit of dreaming um, yeah, no, uh, is allowed. Yeah, I wanna, uh, would love to contract some like really nice peppers out or like do some weird like uh, growing, like cross uh, crossing some different spicy peppers who mm. make really your own pepper. That's what Tabasco did. Mm. Like they cross yeah. bread their own pepper. I would love to like do some weird stuff with that. Yeah, yeah. that would yeah. be cool. Yeah, and sure. you don't see yourself having a plot of tomatoes, like really small, not for the main production but just to figure out what soil so you can have also maybe a bit more interesting conversation with a farmer like hey i used uh, this and that in the soil or i irrigated such and such and it gave me uh, a tomato that was a bit more like this or like that is it i think that's a really great idea i'm just going to make sure i'm going to start selling my products and then yeah, i'll yeah, look okay. into that yeah. yeah you seem very grounded i think uh, like yeah. uh, we've ha we've had a few dreamers on the show i think <laughs> And yeah. like, you seem very grounded. I'm literally focusing on this right now and I don't want to get too caught up in it. That's yeah, very good. It's like, I'm normally I'm like in this air castle, but I'm like under this, <laughs> like you have this air castle on the top where you have all your dreams and then you have like the horrible lawyer at the bottom and you kind of need to find this middle way for what is possible. Yeah. And right now, um, yeah, I'm more of the lawyer type. Like I'm just focusing <laughs> that what I can do is going to be really good. And when I have that going, I'll definitely go into something else, but I'm not going to do three things for 80%. I'm going to do oh. two or one thing for like 150. Yeah, so that's not a specific future goal right not now. Not right now, no. but you can tempt me later. Like, uh, don't yeah. worry about that. I yeah. <laughs> I know. I think uh, good for you, step by step. It's nice. So uh, I've naturally come to the end with my questions. Uh, so it's been a real pleasure. Thank you for um, coming and inviting and uh, answering my questions. I will drop all information for the crowdfunding and what you do in the show notes. How many percent are we? Oh, I think we're like we were. Let's see if it's um, open because I'm doing a crowdfunding to start my um, company as sustainable and zero waste as possible. So I want to get basic theory fan that drives some green gas. I want to get good packaging. I also need to expand on bigger um, 
production uh, material. And from now I started everything with my own savings, but now I'm kind of broke. So, yeah. <laughs> so help, that's... Help um, this girl out. Yeah, yeah, tonight, so. yeah, it's uh, exactly. So I actually started it today, 25th. And right now we're at 95%. Oh, Yay, wow. but that's for the 30, but we're going for 45. So make sure you click on the link and you can already <laughs> participate from 25 euros. Nice. All right. Well, there is actually one uh, part left in the show, which I think I accidentally forgot to mention to you what we do. So unless you've listened to a previous show, you might not know that this happens. But we have a lovely leaderboard over here, right? And what I do is I make a quiz and it's 10 questions. Um, and let's see how well you do. There's Just usually, go for it. There's usually a theme uh, to this. And I will give Sandra a copy of the quiz because he uh, is the... Yeah, assistant. What? Assistant, my yeah. beautiful assistant. Onze enige echte. Oh, Demi Matthias is as top, of course. Yeah. 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 Okay, Demi so Matthias. there and then the page underneath. So this uh, quiz <laughs> is themed, it's called Pickle Me This. Ooh. And it's pickle facts that I found on the internet. Some of them are true, some of them are false. All right. This is ah. using the power of Google, Wikipedia, and all those little strange blogs that might have pickle facts. So bear with me if some of them do sound a bit strange. And some of them are fake, so... Okay, go for it. Okay, number one, we'll start easy. The word pickle, or pickle originates from the Dutch language. Yes. Yeah, it's true. Pekel. Pekel. Pekel, yeah. Happy to be in the company of two uh, native speakers. <laughs> <laughs> Question number two. In some Mayan rituals, they would sacrifice pickles to the gods for everlasting life. No. You're right. It is false, that one. So, question number three. William Shakespeare... No no sign of a doubt. (laughs) Yeah, nice. Okay, question number three. William Shakespeare wrote the phrase, in a pickle, commonly used to mean in a troublesome situation. That wasn't him, right? Was it? True or false? False. Uh, It is true. Really? Yes. William Shakespeare coined the phrase, in a pickle. He used it to refer to himself in in the play, The Tempest. Yeah. How camest thou Beautiful, in right? this pickle? That is, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm a little bit flabbergasted now. I'm yeah. like, was it him? Okay, yeah, go. Yeah, it was William Shakespeare. So, question number four. Frenchman Simon Pickle changed his last name in the 1980s after he claims a pickle saved his life. Yes. That is false. Oh, I made that it. up. I'm losing Completely my, uh, I'm, I'm losing my uh, thing. <laughs> Your pickle uh, respect. I like, pickle I like that story, though, more than... Uh... <laughs> Okay, question number five. In some Pacific Island cultures, if a man was to show you his pickle pit, it would be a sign that he would like to marry you. What's the pickle pit? It is a place where he uh, ferments and pickles his vegetables. Okay, I have a, a dirty mind. A hole yeah. in the ground. A hole in the ground. <laughs> Not a hole in his body. Okay, yeah, I was thinking of something pit. else. Yeah. Um, I hope that this is true, yes. You are right, it is true. Okay. In Fiji, pickles sh- are part of the courting process. I know where my holiday is going next year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay. I'd like to see your pickle pit. <laughs> <laughs> right, you don't Naughty. ask for that, right? Yeah, you don't ask. Straight, straight for marriage. Are you going to ask me to... <laughs> okay, uh, question number six. Mm-hmm. Pickles or pickling are older than the Great Pyramids of Giza. Yes. Uh, yes, it is. I mean, like, this is something to... I've actually got the fact it's false. No. Um, but the pyramids were built at 2584 BC... And pickling the... No, you're false. Uh, I haven't got the pickling fact here, but the pickling the earliest, uh, I think it was 2300 BC. 
So it was only a couple of hundred Close. years. Maybe. Uh, I don't believe you, though. Okay. I say 50 50. Okay. Well, sure. Okay. Sander, um, you're, you're the jury. Well, let's see. You're <laughs> half, half a point. I'll think or? about it. I'll think about it. Okay. Let's see how the rest of the quiz goes. Yeah. Okay. So, American countries, or whatever you want to call them, American singer Elvis <laughs> Presley loved pickles that much that he ate them before every set he played. I think he mostly ate ecstasy, right? I don't know if it was ecstasy. Yeah, it was ecstasy. Him. True or false? True or false? True. Oh, you should have gone with your gut. False. He did love them. There is widely known he loved them, but not that much. He didn't eat them before every set. That would have been a bit intense. Okay, question number eight. Coca-Cola once released a limited edition pickled cola combining its sugary taste with the salty goodness of pickle brine. No, they shouldn't. This is true. Is this true? I hope not. No. True or false? False. No, it's true? No, it's false. Oh, You're God, right. I'm so happy I that's not true. I made that up. But you can buy pickles that are soaked in Kool-Aid in America, which is another sugary oh, America is almost a third world country right now, so. <laughs> yeah, idiots. <laughs> Pickle, okay, question number nine. Pickle juice helps you perform better at sports? Yes. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, it's good for you. So true. it gives you there a is, good uh, microbiome, which the, gives you extra energy. Yeah. Strength. There is a couple of, <laughs> case, a couple of uh, cases that I found, but one of them was, yeah, the, the, uh, during a hot day in September, a game in Texas, the whole team drank, I drank drinking uh, pickle juice. And anyway, yeah, it makes you better at sports, let's say. Have you ever had a pickleback? I have had a pickleback, yeah. yeah. That's uh, whiskey and pickle juice, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a shot of whiskey after a shot, and then after you take a shot of pickle juice. Yeah. Apparently Bourbon in the front, pickle in the back. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was something to do with nickelback. That's why I didn't want to have it from first. No, but... picklebacks are quite common. I think they're quite commonly used in cocktail bars, yeah. Ooh. I came across them. Quite tasty. I always had a pickleback bar at the Burger Beer Battles back in the day. Mm. Delicious. All right. Okay. So question number 10. Cleopatra ate pickles because she believed they helped her stay beautiful. Yes. This is true. That's what the internet says. Cleopatra ate pickles because she believed they helped her stay beautiful. Okay. Well, how did Doe do? Well, six points for sure. Yeah, no, yeah, six is a beautiful score. Six. Oh, nice. Well, uh, you wouldn't have said. Well done. Uh, yeah. Well played. Like, I think... Yeah, I yeah, uh, normally the best, like to win, but this is okay. And the, the, the Giza pyramids, that's what we were hesitant That was the that. tough one. No, it was the ecstasy one. Oh, the, the Yeah, Elvis I should have had that, that one, was, yeah. Okay. yeah. I was yeah. like, he's not known for his pickles, he's uh, known for his no, drug would, abuse. I thought you would, uh, would nail that one. Yeah. <laughs> then you would yeah. be level with Martias, but... Uh, Damn it. Better look next time. Or the Frenchman, Simon Pickle. Simon, yeah. Simon, Simon Pickle. Piclet. <laughs> Simon Piclet. <laughs> All right, well, well, thanks for playing and uh, thanks for doing so well. And uh, just to cap it off, it's been a real pleasure to have you here. Well, thanks thank for you having for me. The questions. It's been amazing and it's not that hot on here, so we're good. We've done well. Let's, yeah. have, a, let's have a post-mortem beer. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. All right, well, thank you very much and uh, ciao. See you later. See Peace. you later. All right, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Radio Oedipus. Thank you to Sander and a huge thank you to Doe. Head over to Basic Theory Ferments on Facebook or Instagram to follow what she's working on. And if you're feeling generous, you can support her crowdfunding page, which has nearly reached its goal. So help her get over the line by heading to the page via the links in the show notes. 
Like I said at the beginning of the show, discover more about Radio Oedipus by listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most major platforms. Spread the love by liking and subscribing. For more information, head over to oedipus.com forward slash radio. You can, of course, get in contact with me. Radio at oedipus.com is the address. The music on today's show is written and composed by Ola iMusic. And tune in next week for more explorations into the culture of beer.